you've been warned. Hello, Los Angeles. Hello, lovers of... Let's start that over again. Hello, Los Angeles. Hello to lovers of the black and gold. Hello to the LAFC faithful. Hello to fans of MLS. Hello to the millions. And millions. Of defenders of the bank listeners. And welcome to I Lost Track of What Number Episode We Are On. <laughs> that is not even something that matters. We are defenders of the bank. And if you don't know me, my name is Christian Philly Philemon. Joining me on the other side of the interwebs, the man. The myth, the Costa Rican traveler, the mouth of the South Bay, and a man who's got a lot of neckwear behind him, J.R. Liebert. The scarf, and uh, you would only know that I have the neckwear behind me if you are tuning into this on YouTube. So please take a gander over on our YouTube page where we are posting all of our episodes now. What is good, LAFC faithful? Yes, back from Costa Rica, spending four days in... Costa Rica, San Jose, Alajuela Province, La Fortuna, an absolutely incredible time, which we are not going to cover on this podcast. That's right. Philly and I are going to do a very special uh, Champions League episode leading into and then rounding up our home match against Alajuelense, uh, which will be played in just three days, which will round out uh, four games in 12 days on our march to five games in 15 days to start this season. So no coverage of the Champions League for now. We're going to cover it on our next episode. But what we are going to talk about today, of course, is the Latif Blessing homecoming party getting back to BMO after our opening season win against Portland and Philly. Why are you wearing sunglasses? Because my eyes are very heavy. And there's a reason why my eyes are very heavy, Scarf. You might not notice this from the tone of, from the tone of my voice because I sound jovial, loud, and aggressive as I usually do. But we're recording this at 12.15 Monday morning. Yeah. And why is that the case? Because Major League Soccer <laughs> lied to us. They said there will <laughs> never be Sunday night games. But it was a Sunday night game. A 7.30 one to be exact. So between the conclusion of the game, listening and going to the press conference, the drive home, the bathroom break, the hydration, the note taking, we got ourselves crack a lacking later. So the glasses are really there to hide the bags under my eyes and to potentially allow me to sleep in between me talking and you talking, quite honestly. <laughs> nobody cares about how tired we are because we have a job to do. And that job is to inform, educate, and entertain, which is exactly why we are here. And this is exactly why you are listening to us on this Monday morning or Tuesday morning or whatever day or time of the day that you're listening to us. So we love you. We're glad that you're here. But I hate Sunday night games let me reiterate i hate sunday night games and you don't even have to teach a math class at 8 15 uh later today so i wouldn't know hours. how to tie my shoe at 8 15 <laughs> in the morning <laughs> look we uh we do want to mention our good friends over at flex power tools flexpowertools.com the official sponsor not just of the front of the kit of your 2022 mls cup champion los angeles football club but of episode 235 and several That's episodes prior. <laughs> I had to fit it in there somewhere. Of Defenders of the Bank. They are our sponsor here in 2023 as they were in 2022. 
And we just wanted to remind everybody of all the fantastic products over at Flex. We were able to give away 16 sweet tickets to opening day. We'll have several other really cool things going on with Flex for the remainder of the season. But again, head on over to flexpowertools.com. I promise my voice will last for the entire podcast. And And I just want to remind everybody, it is absolutely ridiculous that we haven't built five fields, let alone one field. Uh, with uh, with and for the Mauricio Mofasio Futsal Court Foundation, the fundraising effort is still underway. Come on, guys. Let's get this court finished and built. Let's get the funds raised. LAFC and the foundation, the uh, Mauricio Fasio Futsal Court Foundation, and the 3252 are partnering to build a futsal court in Southeast LA and Mo's honor. Go to LAFC.com backslash Mo hyphen Fascio. That's F-A-S-C-I-O to donate. The details are all there. Please let's get this done. Philly, not a whole lot going on in this day in LAFC history. We've got two big birthdays today. Of course. Tyler Miller. That's right. Uh, Tyler. Somebody who's going to be thrilled Miller. to celebrate this birthday. <laughs> well, it was technically it was now 18 minutes ago. Ended Tyler Miller's birthday. Uh, we are we are recording this on Monday, March 13th. But you know what? Way more interesting uh, if we talk about March 12th, which is of course Tyler Miller's birthday, and and current club legend and MLS Cup champion Jose Cifuentes. Happy birthday. 24 years of age, 24 years of age scarf. You, my friend, spoiler alert, are getting older next week. I have been older than you for about three years. (laughs) But You've been been older than me your whole life. (laughs) That's true. That's That's, that's how that works. 24 years of age, man. 24 years of age. I look back at my times when I was 24. I was actually still in college doing really dumb stuff. Um, <laughs> You're what on about the doctorate you? plan. Uh, 24 years old. Let's see. I had already been teaching for five years, as incredible as that may sound. I was already teaching for five years. They let uh, you teach five years prior to you being 24? They did. Yeah. I got they my let first you teach at 19. I, I got my first teaching job. I had not yet turned 20. I was the PE teacher and athletic director of a small private school in West Los Angeles. That's a lot of responsibility uh, bestowed upon a man who's not old enough to legally drink. <laughs> Dude, it was it, it was a lot. I absolutely loved it, though. Who um, did I, you um um no. <laughs> Who did I know? Well, I'll say this. It was at my alma mater. I had graduated from that school five and a half years prior. So uh, it's not like a lot of the people there didn't know me. I uh, I got my first teaching job. I had not yet turned 20. And it, it was, look, I had, a, I had a great time. I taught PE. I subbed in the math department when they needed uh, somebody to sub for a math class once or twice. Um, I was the athletic director. I also coached basketball and volleyball for both boys and girls. Had a blast doing that. Uh, it was it was good times, man. I uh, yeah, I was teaching. Yeah, at twenty four though, I was not teaching at that place. Um, scarf, teaching... an academic success story without yeah. a lot of the academics. That's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, I resemble that remark. Um, no, it was twenty. I mean, look, twenty four was was great. I don't know. Um, what did I? I hadn't been out of the country yet at twenty four. Um, other than you've been in New York though. That's like another country. You keep calling where my family is from white plains. You just call it Canada. Yeah, Uh, exactly. See what I mean? See, I guess I traveled internationally. Yeah. Look, here's the other crazy part up north. Here's, 
here, yeah, right. Here's the other crazy part about March 12th, Philly. And I bet you didn't know this because this is, you can only find this kind of stuff on this day in LAFC history. March 12th, 2020. What was March 12th, 2020, Philly? It was the scheduled date for LAFC's match against Cruz Azul. And it was the first LAFC match to be postponed due to coronavirus. March 12th. 2020, the first of many matches to be postponed and or canceled due to coronavirus. Yes, Philly. I'm raising my hand because you're Philly a teacher. Has his hand and, yes. And, and that means you have to acknowledge me because that's what you get paid to do, right? <laughs> I mean, not in this exact moment, but yes, go on. There are two other interesting things that happened on March the 12th, historically. One okay. sort of... um. It takes into account something that we were consuming at the tailgate. Oh, boy. All in right. 1912, the Girl Scouts of America was founded on March the 12th. Why do I bring that up? Because Why? we were eating delicious Girl Scout cookies at the tailgate. I think that's a really good thing to bring up. And one other thing, because <laughs> okay. it's obviously something that uh, people consume, Coca-Cola began selling its first bottles in 1894 in Vicksburg, Mississippi. And and look, uh, this is unfortunately a rather current thing, I believe, that happened on a March 12th. And I want to make sure I get this right. And if I'm wrong, ugh, I don't think I was. I don't think I am. But uh, and this is according to Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, March. <laughs> wow. Old I, school. Last time I heard Encyclopedia Britannica, I fell off my dinosaur. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> Bye, Triceratops. I, I believe on that same day that our match was postponed, March 12, 2020, uh, was the unfortunate, uh, the the murder of Breonna Taylor, which uh, sparked the whole Black Lives Matter protest as well. So if we're going to talk about murders in 1980, a jury found John Wayne Gacy Jr. guilty of the murder of 33 boys and young men. And by the way, this is how you get a show to go completely off the rails. Let's get it. Let's get it back on the rails here just a little bit. Happy birthday to Tyler Miller. Happy birthday to Jose Cifuentes. The first ever match being postponed. That is this day in LAFC history. Philly, uh, a couple of news and notes here. Uh, this will take all of two seconds to go over. And then we'll get right into the match because you know what? It's late. We're tired. And we've got a whole other podcast to plan talking all about the Champions League. Uh, we were very excited, you and I, that Adama Diamande was making his way back into the league with Toronto. Unfortunately, he is currently sidelined with a hamstring injury out several weeks. Toronto, <laughs> by the way, here's a fun fact about Toronto. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Toronto became, I believe, the first team in Major League Soccer history to take the lead in its first three matches only to lose its first three matches. Uh, so, sorry, Bob, Bob's got... Oh, you hear that? That's that's loud. That was loud. Wow, like, I don't hear it at all in here. Yeah. It's oh, going it's... through the headphones. Yeah, nope. Definitely sorry, heard bro. It. That's okay. I was You're... testing stuff. It's It worked. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so Toronto 
not actually I shouldn't say they lost all three. Did they lose all three? Did they let me look here. Now see now I'm just off the rails. See, off the rails. You're off the rails. Scarf people were more interested in hearing about the two, Girl Scout cookies. Two, I don't know if there were two draws and and a loss. So the the first team to not win its first three matches after taking the lead. Uh the other quick bit of LAFC news and notes and we promise we will do better once we get to the game. This has been an abject disaster so far. I disagree. Let's, people have been informed and entertained. Uh, we're we're accomplishing our jobs. Unfortunately, they haven't been informed about things that pertain to anything that we talk about normally on this podcast, but you have no, you can't deny the fact that people have been informed. Uh, something has happened on this podcast. That is true. We want to give some love Philly to former NYCFC and black and gold defender, Sebastian. Oh, Ibiaga. Yes. A yes. massive reason why we won MLS cup last year. Uh, Philly, you and I were both excited to see this. You're the one that actually brought it up to me. Uh, after 97 matches in Major League Soccer, he scored a goal. And it was the first goal, obviously, of his career. It gave Dallas a point against Vancouver in Vancouver because the game ended on a 1-1 draw. So clearly, they needed Ibeaga's first ever goal. Congrats and much love to one Sebastian Ibeaga. Philly, I know a favorite of yours. I mean, he's a nice guy. We had the opportunity to meet him in uh, one of those supermarkets when he was doing a signing. I've got a Sebastian Ibiaga signed photo right here. He signed a couple bottles of that LAFC Captain Morgan rum, which I got yep. in the bar just outside of the uh, ro uh, room here at Philomonster Studios. Sebastian Ibiaga, a nice guy. Played his collegiate ball at Duke University. Uh, solid, solid player. And you said it. A very big reason as to why we won MLS Cup. He wasn't flashy. He wasn't going to do like these things that are going to make you drop your jaw. But he was consistent. He was solid, and he came up big when we needed him. So to see that man succeed and get get a goal, uh, I'm happy. Especially so yeah. since it wasn't against us. Yeah. Uh, look, let's get into the game. Let's get into all the fun events before the game. Philly, New England coming to BMO Stadium for the first time, but coming to the bank and or BMO coming to the greater Los Angeles area to play LAFC for just the second time ever. Uh, this Correct. is a club that has not beaten LAFC. We drew Correct. them 2018, one, one. We beat them at their place, 2019, two, nothing. Two nothing. Uh, it's a team that obviously coached very well by Bruce arena, but Agreed before to disagree the match, these days. Well, I mean, he's they, they looked good in the first two matches of the season, but it was before the match where the fun really got started out on Christmas tree lane adjacent, I guess, like Christmas tree lane street. Uh, we had all the different supporters groups were out there. We were set up with our canopy for the first time this season. And Philly, I know we talked about the first game as like going to the first day of school, but something is just different about tailgate days. I mean, look, Phil, I, I can't echo Philly's sentiments any more than he already said it. Sunday games suck hard. They are awful. I do not like Sunday games. What I do like, however, is getting up between 9, 10 o'clock, getting our stuff set out there, getting getting our tailgate on. Normally, we are right next to the Cuervos uh, with everything kind of being moved off of Christmas Tree Lane and onto the street there. We actually had the pleasure of being in, in a couple in, in a new spot for us down at what turned out to be the very end of the tailgate, which was incredible. Uh, we were next to the crew and the opposite side of opposite side of us were the expos. I I'm telling everybody right now, 
If you want to really experience, and I told this to one of the Apple TV guys that was out there doing some filming and stuff for today's match. If you want to really experience the true specialness, the true uh, supporter culture of LAFC, you have to go out there early for the tailgates. Every single SG had something cool brewing in their tent or maybe even in a separate tent that they set up themselves to use later on. Shout out to our friends at the 42s. But it was just, I I missed Philly. I didn't realize how much I missed because it had been a little while since we had done it. I just missed hanging out on Christmas tree lane, going from place to place. I mean, we had what? Quesadillas and pozole and smash burgers. And the food is just ridiculous out there. The people are the best. Philly, I missed tailgating, man. It's I mean, you want to be part of the heart and soul of, of the club? You go to the tailgates. And I, I get it if like you're not accustomed to it or if you don't know anybody or if you're, you know, I, I guess on the outside looking in. Can it be intimidating going into a crowd of people that seem to be enjoying themselves and you don't know a soul? Yeah, it absolutely can. But newsflash for you, everybody there is friendly. Everybody there is more than happy to hand out a free beverage, whether it be a, a an adult one or a childlike one. Everybody's happy to, to hand out a quesadilla, maybe a bowl of pozole. There are so many people that come in and out of the bank that don't go to the tailgates. And I see you all. You all show up maybe like 90 minutes before kickoff and get into the arena when you can, and you completely avoid the tailgates. That's fine if that's your M.O. But come hang out at the tailgate because there's a lot of fun that happens. It's not just inebriation and craziness. Yeah, there's some of that. I'm not going to lie. There is. But <laughs> come hang out. Get to meet people. Get to meet the, the supporters. Get to meet the members of the, uh, the 3252 and the SGs. For those that just solely sit in Fig or Founders or Field or South End or Upper Deck, come out. Meet the people that you talk about. Meet the people that you admire from afar. Meet the people that wave the flag. Meet the people that create the TIFOs. We all brag about how incredible our club is and how amazing our support is. But there are a lot of you out there that even don't even go out to Christmas Tree Lane. So come out and do it because it's fun. Hell, start at our tent. You know us. You obviously do if you're listening to us. Come hang out with us. I guarantee you a free drink, a high five, and a story, be it from me, Scarf, Panda, Nina, or whoever else is hanging out at our tent. To me, like a game day without a tailgate is empty, completely empty and soulless. It's the tailgate that makes everything fun. It's the tailgate that connects and unites us. It's the tailgate where we can exchange stories, meet new people, do fun things. And at the end of the day, this club is more about wins and losses. Obviously, wins on the pitch are very important. It's how we succeed. But when we're together and we are in this and we get to hang out and meet stories like, you know, I I love the wins because it means a win for Scarf. It means a friend. It means a win for our friends in the crew, the Cuervos, Black Army, D9U, Pride. That's what it's all about, man. Come out, hang out at the tailgates. No excuses. I, I love it. All right. That was Philly. That was a, a rant with Philly on the tailgates and impromptu. Not so much there. of a rant as much as of a recommendation. No, for sure. And look, it, it 
again, seeing everybody, hanging out with everybody, eating the food, sharing the beverages, whatever it might be. That's food in Los Angeles, it, Scarf. It's, it's unreal. The the people that came out today, I think Pride had pupusas going too. I, I didn't mention I had those. a bite of your pupusa. Thank you. It was um, pretty good. Yeah, giggity. Uh, yeah, Whoa. no, it, uh, it, the food is fantastic. So again, come out. We knew that all the feels would be felt pre-match. Uh, kind of a cool look, more so for you than for me, but I knew who he was and I was super stoked to see him there. Our honorary Falconer, Philly, big E of the new day, along with, is it Kofi Kingston? And who is the, I, I'm blanking. Xavier Woods. Thank you. Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and big It's a e. new day scarf. Yes, it is. It, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, I loved how, how he was talking to Ollie before the pre-flight. Uh, it was kind of neat. You know, he was, he was being his typical WWE kind of ham. We, self, which was Panda cool. and I went down the, um, we, we left founders club to go and meet a, uh, meet a friend, Leslie, uh, over in the, uh, at section one Oh seven and biggie just happened to be getting down in like that main grand lobby area. And I got to meet him. I got to shake his hand. I, I talked to him for a little bit and I'm like, bro, tell me you weren't mildly intimidated by having like Ollie on you. And I mean, he agreed at the end of the day. I'm just like, bro, like you might be a big dude, but this owl will you up. Like he, he the what? Said, oh, I, wait, the what did I say? That, owl, this said- Falcon. Sorry. I don't know why I was thinking of owls lately. Um, I, I was, Oh, that's because like, I was looking at a t-shirt of a thing called the hootery, uh, just in front of me. That's ADD. I was just like, that wow. Falcon will mm, you up. And he, he agreed. You don't mess with Ollie. <laughs> I mean, Ken can't even hang on to the lure anymore. You notice that from like 2018 up until now, when Ollie wants to be Ollie, Ollie will just absolutely rip Ken, poor Ken's arm off. Like he doesn't hang on to that lure when Ollie decides to just go buck wild on it. Yeah, she is. She is unreal. Absolutely. We look. Ollie is as much of a part of the fabric of this club as any player that's ever come through. As any as any person in the front office, Ollie is a huge part of this club. Biggie is just huge uh, to begin with. And and look, I yeah. thought it was cool. Look, uh, humble brag here. You and I have got to meet a couple of these guys before already, but it was really cool to have a bunch of members of the cast of Ted Lasso. And I'm just going to say this now, and then we're going to get into the game. March 15th, people, Ted Lasso season three. I, I know you and I are <laughs> so looking forward to the premiere of Ted Lasso. So it was cool to see several of the players there. Yes, Philly. If you didn't have a reason to already hate anything that comes out of Philadelphia, other than John McCarthy, of course, we love you, J-Mac. Um, Jim Curtin, did you hear what the head coach of the Philadelphia Union had to say about the show, Ted Lasso? I, <laughs> why, don't you, why don't you tell the millions? And millions. Why we have another reason not to like Jim Curtin, who may be, by the way, the future U.S. men's national team head coach, but go on. He was asked about the show Ted Lasso, and he said he doesn't like it because he feels like it set American coaches back 20 years in terms of the eyes of everybody else throughout the rest of the world. <laughs> Is it any coincidence that the Philadelphia Union haven't exactly been gangbusters this season? I'm going to call it right now. Every time the Philadelphia Union flop or lose or just come down in the standings, sorry, Jim, it's the Ted Lasso curse. You know Mm, with Ted Lasso, you don't piss off Ted Lasso. The fact that you said twenty years, how do you even, how do you even gauge that? How do you even go? Oh, you know, twenty years ago you set us back. Come on, because of stupid comments like that, your team's gonna suck the rest of the year. All right, cheers to on. you, Jim Curtin. 
Hold on. Let's let's take his comments into a little bit of context because you're right. He did call it a curse. Uh, but let's let's talk about it. He said, I have to say I like it because if I say I hate it, I'm some elitist coach. I love the humanness of it. I watched the whole first season. I give them credit for at least being close to capturing the feeling in the locker room. And they get that there are people from different cultures, uh, other words that I can't use on the podcast. Nice guys. There are wives who are annoying and who are problems. That's all real. And he comes off as lovable. But do I think that it set back the American coach 20 years? Yes, I do. We worked so hard to get into Europe. And then Jesse kind of breaks in. And it's like, what a curse to have that show break out at the same time that he's there. Jesse being Jesse Marsh. Uh, you can feel it with Jesse. He seems so angry at it. But to go back to my earlier point, <laughs> If you show that, they'll chew you up and spit you out. So, yes, uh, <laughs> he's, he, I think he was more defending his buddy Jesse Marsh than anything else. But, yes, Jim Curtin says he doesn't like Ted Lasso. And if you don't like Ted Lasso, you're not human. So there you go. Uh, yeah, oh, it's not even that you're not a human, Scarf. It's that you just don't have a pulse. I mean, that's – that's. Uh, hang on. Hold on. For those that are looking and watching. Um, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I thought we were going to see – uh, believe there it is. Uh, look, I, I can't wait. I just, I can't wait this, this show Philly, you and I, I mean, we get so excited when that new episode of Ted Lasso comes out, we sit, we watch it. Harnessing watch- my inner Roy Kent as we speak. Dude, you, you, yes, exactly. You watch it on your own. I watch it on my own. Then we wind up watching it together two or three times. Luckily <laughs> our significant others rather enjoy the show as well. So look, if you, if you don't like Ted Lasso, you're, I don't know, get out. Um, uh, Philly, shall we get into the game? The After match? 25 minutes of nonsense banter, I, I would say we should. It's, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, look, it was a Latif Blessing homecoming party, right? That's what we were all celebrating. And I, I was kind of bummed. I was hoping they'd wait till a little bit later, till the place was more full and more packed uh, before they played the tribute video. Obviously, Latif Blessing coming back to BMO Stadium First time in the stadium since, obviously, MLS Cup final and the parade and everything else that went on. Uh, number 19 on New England Revolution, which was kind of odd. But, Philly, you got to see the video even before we all did in the stadium. And then we all sat there and watched. And uh, I know why you probably put the glasses on now for a second time, for those of you guys that were watching, because I was blubbering out there when they were playing the video where they were talking about Latif and everything. And I know you felt the same way. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not emotion. I have no emotion. I am a straight. No, I'm, I mean, I'm yes. I was very emotioned. I was very full of emotion. Yeah. You there's not everybody was in their seat at the time. It's probably a good, like 12 to 15 minutes before the actual kickoff was set to occur. But they showed the video highlighting Latif Blessing. Uh, I mean, he's the franchise leader in terms of games played and minutes played, yep. at least for the time being. I mean, that's going to be changed relatively quickly here within the next season. But, I mean, he meant so much to the club. I mean, he only had, what, like 14 or so goals, maybe uh, like 20 or so assists right. during his tenure. But Latif was more than just goals and assists. Latif Latif was passion, man. Latif was energy. Latif was fire. He's all a five foot nothing. Played like he was 10 feet tall. Uh, I mean, he was a man of the people, a very beloved character in the realm of, of LAFC. It was sad to see him go. Sad to hear him go. He obviously went because he had to, but such a big part of our history. And at least it was cool that we got to see him. John Thorrington handed him his case. 
Uh, we all cheered. And I know he was out there at the end of the game, like giving high fives and taking photos with people in and around the stadium, in and around field club. But I mean, I, I love Latif blessing. I mean, he was always my favorite player and he will remain my for, for, uh, forever. My favorite LAFC player, just again, because like me, little dude who comes at you with a lot of passion. Right. That's what I loved about Latif blessing. You never questioned his efforts. He gave it all for this crest. You never thought that he just was half-assed anything. He was all heart one way or another in on the pitch and off of it as well. And look, we, we all know, for those of us that have been following the club since day one, what you get with Latif is you also get a little bit of the bad with a lot of the good, right? You got a lot of the there, – there was always some some emotional outburst every now and then on social media or there was a, a cryptic text or a tweet about you know something here or the other. But you know what? This is a kid who came from Accra, Ghana, who made his way through. He didn't get much time with Sporting Kansas City, found his way to LAFC, became an absolutely integral part of this club for our first five years. If they ever do a ring of honor at BMO Stadium, uh, you got to think, look, Carlos Vela, obviously, number 10. He's going to be the first. Yeah, he's going to be the first to be in the ring of honor. He's going to have a statue. He's going to have everything that that a player of his caliber and what he's meant for this club deserves to get. But yep. I'm saying it right now as as things stand after five years and what, three games, uh, to me, the second person that needs to be inducted into that ring of honor, with all due respect to other club legends, like maybe an Edward Atuesta or a Diego Rossi. No, or, Diego Rossi, you know, a Fito Zelaya and Andre Horta. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, whoa, Rodriguez. So funny. Ryan Rodriguez. Um, no, it's Ryan. it's gotta be it's gotta be Latif Blessing. Uh, I my I echo your sentiments. Obviously, my favorite player to ever wear black and gold. And you know what? He he was human, right? He was human. A lot of stuff that Latif put out there into the world that maybe didn't help him out so much. A lot of stuff that he put out in the world that endeared him to several of his followers and fans out there. But here's what I will always remember about Latif Blessing. Two things. One, that smile, that infectious, unreal, light up the entire 22,000 seat stadium smile that Latif Blessing would have on his face after wins. He was the happiest person out there. (laughs) But the second thing I always remember about Latif Blessing is what would happen after the losses, too. He would go around to every person in that stadium that would wait. He gave high fives. He took pictures. He signed autographs. He was every supporter and fans. I don't want to say favorite player, but the one who they felt like they could reach out and touch the easiest and the most, the most success accessible player that we had. And just, I mean, look for, for many years, for many games, he was the heartbeat, the energy, the lifeblood, the game changer, the star man playing on the right. Welcome back. And, and deservedly. So getting that ring today was Latif blessing. I I think you and I just wish there were more people in the stadium. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the stadium got packed towards the, uh, I mean, towards game time, but a lot of people who weren't in their seats early, uh, didn't get treated to the fact that Latif was there. Yeah, and I mean, you could point a fi- you could point the finger in a couple of directions. We were all told for the start of the uh, before the start of the home opener to get in our seats at a certain time. I think at the very least, like a, a good bit of respect could have been along the lines of getting a similar email saying, "Hey, we're here to celebrate the teeth. 
get right. there 15 minutes early. And if that came, I totally missed it. And I apologize <laughs> first and foremost. But um, it would have been nice if a lot more people were there. But, I mean, people got treated to seeing him play because Latif went the distance in the game. And, well, he certainly contributed to Timothy Tillman's goal. More on that later. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, we were, we were just happy to see him, uh, obviously. Look, there were... There's a couple of legends in the building, right? With Bruce Arena, who comes in at one of the, if not the most decorated uh, U.S. men's coach of all time. One of the the key figureheads and, and all-time greats in the American soccer coaching scene. There's very little that Bruce Arena hasn't done. Very few achievements that he hasn't achieved. So uh, it, it was nice to see... Uh, Bruce Arena back in the building. We got to hang out with him several times when he was up in Founders Club. And in fact, what, two or three days after we saw him in Founders Club, he was announced as the Revs head coach. Uh, So Bruce Arena in the building. Uh, I'll say it just because a lot of people don't like him, but I think he's still going down as a legend in the U.S. men's national team. Josie Altidore in the building? Your fourth string striker? Question mark in the building? Um, He was there on the bench. I, I... I forgot Josie Altidore was on the team, Philly. I think he did too. Until he got up to shake hands with people after the match ended up, and the guy got up. I was like, hey, that guy looks a lot like Josie Altidore. That was Josie Altidore. Um, How the mighty have fallen. I mean, guys like Emmanuel Boateng coming into the match before Josie Altidore. Now, I know they needed a little bit of change of pace, but and Josie's not going to give that change of pace anymore. But wow, how the mighty have fallen. But Philly, let's get into... The starting lineups, uh, you want to tackle LAFC first? You want to do something different? And you do LAFC first, and then I'll hit the reps. Why not? Uh, yeah, if we're going to be living on the edge, why don't we just uh, why don't we just do it like fully hearted? All right, let's, so far- let's go. Yeah, this was a we, you and I, I think, going into the match, right? We were we were very curious to see who Steve would roll out for this starting 11. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we played a Champions League game on Thursday just a couple of days ago. We're playing the second leg on Wednesday, which at this point is like two days away. Right. We're recording at the, like the worst hour of the morning on a on a flipping Monday. Thank you, Don Garber, and your crap-ass schedule. Anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Billy's cranky. No, I'm t- you would be too. I mean, I-, I thought we were going beyond these like two in the morning pods because we were promised something and we've been lied to. It- again, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about my rants. As far as our starting lineup is concerned, we had John McCarthy in between the pipes. No mystery there. We had Cheeky Palacios on one side. We had Aaron Long. We had Jesus David Murillo. No surprises, none whatsoever. But then on the other side, you had Sergi Palencia. All right, congratulations, young man, getting your first start. Yep. Midfield, Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez. No surprise there. The German, Die Deutsche, Timothy Tillman, who had an exceptional game rounding that out. And then you have Opoku, or as the CONCACAF Champions League oh. broadcaster like to call him, Opuku. So bad. Terrible. We'll, we'll rant on him on Wednesday. Uh, Denny Buanga. And then Stipe Buke getting his first start. So that's the LAFC lineup. By the way, Scarf, I forgot to tell you, I bumped into Christian Torres in yes. the concourse. Um, I mean, we've hung out with Christian Torres. Very nice young man. No no other story from there. As far as the bench is concerned, had plenty of uh, names on there. You had Eldon. You had Daniel Maldonado. Carlos Bale. Did you just bring up that whole thing just to tell me you bumped into him? That was it? 
Yeah, no big story. Oh, I thought Elvis, there was a story. Daniel Maldonado, Carlos Vela, Chiellini, Daniel Chrysostomo. That's the name I'm going to stick with until he tells me otherwise. Eric Duenas, Jose Cifuentes, Ryan the Stash Hollingshead, and Nathan Ordaz. Now, Scarf, since I took the lead there, you should probably tell the millions. And millions. Uh, as to who started for the New England Revolution. For the Revolution. Uh, sporting their defiance kit for the first time in a match in their club history. That's their new, I just, I don't love it. I don't remember where I ranked it, but it wasn't high on our, our 30 Jersey ranking show that we did. You got to check that episode out just a couple of episodes ago. I believe it's 233 uh, that we did our kit ranking show. Uh, the defiance kits were, they, they were a thing. Um, I, I just, they're ugly. They're really ugly. Uh, up top. Of up top, you got Dylan Barrero and Bobby Wood. That's he's kind of making a career resurgence just a little bit here in Major League Soccer. Last couple of years, uh, in the midfield, that's he's just a special player, but he didn't play very well today. Gustavo Bo uh, out there along with Noel Buck, Captain Matt Polster, and of course number nineteen, the star man playing on the right, Latif Blessing, starting on the right. For the New England Revolution. On the back line, we had Dewan Jones and Brandon Bai on the outside. Dave Romney, who Nina and I ran into his parents at uh, the fields before the game. Any relation to Mitt? No, no relation to Mitt. Uh, but had, that. had a little chat with, uh, with Mr. and Mrs. Romney. They were very nice people. And Henry Kessler at center back as well. I went into this game. I think we talked about it on One More Sleep. Really looking forward to that pairing of Kessler and by, and uh, uh, they didn't go well for Kessler and by, and a player who I think Philly, not just you, not just me, not just the 22,004 people that the official attendants said were at the cathedral of the black and gold BMO stadium. But I think one Steve Chirundolo also came away very, very impressed with Georgie Petrovich, the goalie keeper, for the New England Revolution, this kid is special. I mean, you go from having U.S. men's national team keeper Matt Turner to having Georgie Petrovich, a player who might sell for more than Matt Turner, a player who is younger and might be more skilled than Matt Turner. This kid is special, really fun to watch. And I think you and I both came away from this match just going, wow, that's a, that's, that's a keeper. A preseason favorite for MAS goalkeeper of the year coming into this year. For what now? For what? You did it again. What did I say? Did I M- say MASL again? Yep. That's twice. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna take me about a month or two to like get my mind off of indoor soccer. Maybe yep. I'm just throwing subliminal hints in there just to get people aware of the major arena soccer league. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm just messing up. That's fine. MLS. <laughs> a preseason MLS favorite to win goalkeeper of the year. And he fantastic keeper uh, they don't do too many things well in new england as far as the revolution are concerned but they have produced some pretty darn good goalkeepers but one fun little factoid for you defenders is uh brandon by yeah after after three games played historically between lafc and the new england revolution Brandon Bai is the only player to have ever scored against LAFC. So <laughs> keep true. that in the back of your mind next time you happen to hop on a bingo or a trivia challenge for the black and gold. I like it. I like it. Look, and, and I do want to mention one more thing before we get into the match, Philly. Only, just, are, well, only one? Only one. 
You and I are raving about Georgie Petrovic in a game where they lost for nothing. Imagine, imagine <laughs> yeah. what, imagine how bad the rest of the revolution must've been. And they were, uh, it, it was, it was, it was just not a good game for new England. Although look, I'll, I'll say this now. I feel like we are making very decent teams look very bad more often than not. Now, this is a New England Revolution team, and we talked about this on One More Sleep, Philly, that came into this match undefeated, 2-0 and oh to start the season, a one nothing win over Charlotte, and a 3 nothing absolute drubbing over a Houston team that is not supposed to be very good this season. So lots going into the match, going well for the Revolution. Unfortunately, it was, uh, it was not to be. Here at Bank of California, or excuse me, oh, almost. I didn't finish it. $5 philanthropy jar I, I donation. Didn't, I didn't finish it, but I'll still put the $5 in. That's because uh, you're philanthropic. At, I am. At, uh, at BMO Stadium, Philly. Uh, look, they had Josie Altador in the 18. They had Emmanuel Boateng in the 18. They had other players in the 18. Carl's Hill, who wound up coming in later. Uh, look, I, I felt immediately the start of the match, uh, and actually Steve talked about this quite a bit. First 15 minutes was a completely different match than the last 75. New England playing very, very well, uh, attacking the sides, I thought, from the middle out, trying to catch Palencia maybe up a little bit deep. Aaron Long wasn't playing great to start the match. He seemed a little tentative, a little unsure of himself, uh, absolutely airmailed a pass for Palencia. Um, but honestly, I felt like the first 10, 15 minutes or so, Usually we get like a boxer kind of feeling each other out first couple rounds of a fight. That was not the case for the first 14, 13, 14 minutes or so. Uh, I really thought New England played well for the first about 13, 14 minutes of the match. They Yes, they did. And that's the only time of the match. Well, with the exception of the 22nd minute where Bobby Wood had a really high chip that J, that J Mac caught. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to say they looked that good. Did they possess the ball? Did they pass the ball? Well, sure. At the conclusion of the game, you look at their passing accuracy. They actually were the better team in that perspective, but they didn't really have that many chances created. They didn't have any shots. They barely had any shots taken that were on target. Again, it was just Bobby Wood in the 22nd minute that had things. LAFC, while not looking the greatest within that 15 minute, still had a couple of interesting opportunities. Denny, uh, was looking to get by uh, Dewan Jones, had a shot that went high above the crossbar within the 11th minute. Timothy Tillman had a pass in the box, got himself a foul, earned a free kick. That was kind of cool, but nothing really went about there. Uh, I mean, it took it took a while to actually get some offense going within this match, but at no point did I really think that the New England Revolution were threatening whatsoever. For a team that managed to go undefeated in their first two games, Granted, yes, it was against the clit. I'm sorry. I I, I know this is family friendly, Yeesh. but if you look, CLT, come on. How else are you going to say the acronym? I don't know. This isn't me being like off color. Uh, they beat them one to nothing. They beat a pretty bad Houston Dynamo team, but a very anemic bit of offense from the winningest coach in Major League Soccer and one of the and the greatest coach for the U.S. Men's National Team. New England did not look very good. LAFC still had more opportunities and still was more dangerous than anything that they did with the exception of that Bobby Wood chip in the 22nd. Yeah, look, the entire match kind of turned on its head in the 13th minute when Timothy Tone was taken down in the box, earning, of course, a PK 
for LAFC. Everything changing after that Matt, after that uh, that play. Danny Bawanga stepping up to take it and hammering it just under the crossbar, dead centered, actually. And I don't think, even if the keeper doesn't move, that's a difficult save to make. But uh, unfortunately, Petrovic diving to his right. Nobody there as the ball sailed straight through the back of the net. A beautiful effort on a PK. And look, between the last goal of the Alajolense game and that PK, the thing I love about Denny Bowanga is he is hammering the ball, absolutely hammering the ball on some of these shots. And that one, a perfect PK. And this is exactly, and I feel like if you were here with Jonathan Reimer, the doctor, I could say this and have a little bit more context, but exactly what the doctor ordered for LAFC, a team that needed to be able to rest a little bit if they could, a team that needed to be able to take their foot off the gas a little bit earlier if they could, getting a goal in the 14th minute from Denny Bawanga, a huge relief for LAFC and getting on the board early, something that, look, we weren't great at it last year, even though we won MLS Cup, but this is something that we've we've shown now that we can do, a goal 14 minutes in. Yeah, and you got to credit Sergey Palencia for even connecting with uh, Timothy Tillman at that point. And thank you to Gustavo Bo for the foul that enabled that play to happen. But Sergey Palencia gets, uh, I guess you could call it the hockey assist for that because yeah. his pass... Timothy draws the foul and Danny Buonga, man, like the confidence, like it's such an emphatic strike. I mean, he put a lot of hustle behind that muscle, a lot of mustard behind that shot. It's dangerous to go up the middle. It always is dangerous to go up the middle, but there was no question. And he had the poise of the grizzly veteran that he is. And it was just, uh, it was a joy. Carlos Vela has gone 18 for 22 with free kicks when he steps up there always is a little bit of anxiety whether or not the captain's going to create that opportunity because you know he missed four granted statistically he's a lot better than he's not but man Denny Buanga with authority puts us up one to nothing and honestly we never really looked back yeah and look you mentioned the the ball that John McCarthy had to corral in like the 22nd minute I believe it was a shot off of Bobby Wood right yep. uh how how about that's the only shot on target folks yep. 21 and a half minutes into the match that's, that's the, the only, only shot, shot on, on target, target. period and, and look it's not to say that New England didn't have some chances right but it's not like LAFC where Petrovic had to make two or three unreal like save of the year almost candidate MLS saves. McCarthy had to jump a little high to corral a header. Other than other than that, really, there were maybe one or two set pieces or crosses where LAFC could have defended better. I thought for sure there was one that it very easily could have been a goal. There were maybe a second a little bit later. We'll get to those, but... You said it you said it absolutely right Billy not threatening whatsoever uh, even in like the 25th minute or so when LAFC got caught on the counter after Ilié made a great effort New England was kind of fouled in a bad spot but the free kick resulted in nothing the they got the ball back after a rebound and J-Mac with a little diving effort I thought okay 25th minute a little bit of a nervous a little bit of nervous time and then all of a sudden you get a great pass bringing Mahala in the 29th minute when he earned a corner. 31st minute LAFC was pressing high. 
And Palencia took it all the way to the line for a corner. He got yep. a little shaken up on it, but he was fine. Shout out to Buke who made that play happen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did say I have a couple of notes that I want to mention. In the 22nd minute, Latif draws his first foul for New England. In the 24th minute, Latif draws his second foul for New England. In the 34th minute, Latif disrupted a pass for New England. And after all three of those lines in my notes, I just wrote the word weird. It was just so <laughs> weird. Like, I'm, I, I found myself involuntarily after the first foul, Philly. In the 22nd minute, when Latif got fouled, I stood up and I went, hey, oh, wait, he's not on our team anymore. I can't be upset that Latif is getting fouled again. That was our guy that fouled him. It took me a minute, man. It was it was crazy. In the 42nd minute, he drew his third foul of the half. And and look, it it tells you everything you need to know that the most entertaining things in the entire first half, and, and maybe the entire match, was me keeping track of what Latif did in the game just because, and it wound up being half of my notes on the New England Revolution. Uh, what's funny is the amount of shots that occurred on goal in after the first half, uh, they were, I mean, when we give you the final statistics, right. I, and you, you think LAFC was the dominant team? No, I mean, the, the second half, they, they, they killed New England even more, obviously, yeah. because of the goal scoring line. But they had three shots, three shots to New England's one. Uh, saves. Uh, uh, Georgie Petrovich at that point had more saves. Um, wasn't that great of a first half for the New England Revolution? And no. guess what? It doesn't really get any better starting the <laughs> second half either. Yeah, look, one nothing, and it wasn't a great first half for LAFC either. You really felt like it was a team that was playing exactly like they had four starters sitting in the 18 between Ryan Hollingshead, Jose Cifuentes, uh, obviously Carlos Vela up top and I'm missing the fourth. Who was our fourth starter that we'd, oh, uh, obviously Giorgio Chiellini. God, how could I forget that one? Um, so you had four starters not playing and this is a team that looked like they had four starters not playing and yet went stride for stride with New England. Philly, Bowanga, look, he missed a sitter in the Champions League match where he could have had four and he banged one off the corner of the crossbar in, 55th, the, 50, yeah. in the 54th, 55th minute. This is a dude that when he's missing, he's still banging stuff off the woodwork. Incredible. And then, and then Philly, I went up to use the restroom, but there was another shot that was saved right after, as I understand, after uh, Bowanga took that one off the bar. Uh, so there was the one, the 55th minute where it was upper right, but it was nowhere. It was nowhere close scarf okay. to, to, to anything at that point. So like you didn't really miss too much. Um, he did have another shot off the mark, yes, in the 64th minute. Yeah. But you, you could see that he was knocking on Georgie Petrovich's door. But then in the 67th minute, he gets himself another goal. Yeah, give, give me just – hold on one quick second, Philly. Before, let's back up like four minutes. I I loved the chess match, right? And, okay. and look, Bruce Arena pushed his chips into the middle of the table, bringing in Carl's Hill, Emmanuel Boateng, and Vrioni. Okay. Right. Those, well, those. I mean, that's that's the 2021 MLS MVP. I'm going to be honest. I was completely shocked that he didn't start that game. That's among their best players, Carl's heel. I couldn't believe it that he did not get the start. His team, you would think, would want to throw everything they could at LAFC to get a very good moral victory. Car Carl's heel. Not only did he come in late, he also came off early too. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely get to that. And I, I loved what Bruce Arena did. He's like, all right, I'm bringing in these three guys. This is strictly an offensive game. So what he was trying to do 
was really open up the game and turned it into a foot race. Obviously, if you have been following the black and gold, you know that Emmanuel Boateng was kind of a thorn in our sides for our first couple of years when he was with Carson. Obviously, Carl's Hill, you mentioned it, MLS MVP. This guy is as talented as any player in Major League Soccer. And look, as much as I want Vrioni to be the guy, because he's coming in as an Italian and, and a player who obviously comes from the Juve system, even though he only really had a cup of coffee for them. Literally two games for the senior team. Uh, yeah, and then look, he's thir- 333 minutes, just one goal coming into this. He would have 27 minutes to try and do something. Spoiler alert, he did not. Uh, Bobby Wood comes off as well as a couple of others. And then you saw, all right, you're going to bring on those guys? Hold my beer, said Steve Chirundolo. <laughs> 64th minute. Who are we bringing off the bench? Well, how about Ryan Hollingshead, Jose Cifuentes, and Carlos Vela coming in for Palencia, Mahala, and Ilya. Ilya obviously getting a little bit of rest with Timothy Tillman playing as well as any player out there on the pitch. They chose to bring off Ilya, bring on Sifu. Uh, Carlos, Carlos Vela only playing 60 minutes in Costa Rica, only having to play 26 minutes and change today. And, and look, it's it's great to see Ryan Hollingshead playing so well, but more on him in a little bit. Uh, the 66th minute, right before the yellow card to Matt Polster for that foul on Tillman, and right before uh, what you're going to get into, uh, which wound up being very nice for Denny Boanga once again, I thought the 66th minute was their last major chance. I think one ball went wanting, unfortunately, a dangerous cross from Brandon By. And, and they just couldn't get on the end of it. And I believe it was Vrioni, which speaks to the kind of frustrating career he's had in New England so far. If Vrioni gets on the end of this ball and the ball just missed him, I mean, we're talking less than six inches. If Vrioni gets on the end of this ball, Philly, in the 66th minute, first of all, it stops play, obviously. They score the goal. We're tied 1-1. And then we might see a very different last 24 minutes. But Philly. He didn't get to that ball, and as such, after a foul that brought a yellow to Matt Polster, 67th minute, we were saying it once again, Kawabwanga. Kawabwanga indeed. Denny scores his fifth in two games, and uh, he gets a little bit of help. One, first and foremost, a brilliant pass from Jose Cifuentes from the midfield. But if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Dewan Jones, Right. pushing Denny in front. Who knows how that play could have ended up? He ends up going one-on-one with Georgie Petrovich, and boom, like you said, Kawabwanga with authority. Denny Buanga bashes another goal into the back of the net, threading the netting, if you will. Denny Buanga, we said it early on, and a lot of people predicted that, non-podcasters, podcasters, uh, complainers, all kinds of people predicted <laughs> The fact that Denny Buanga is going to be a very big scorer for LAFC and hell, five goals in two games. Massive statement with authority. Denny Buanga. Now this we're truly welcoming him to MLS. Look, Philly, I said at the start of the season, I thought Denny Buanga would have 20 goals, 20 goals. Now LAFC could play right. Philly hear, hear me out here, everybody between champions league leagues, cup open cup, playoffs, regular season, Campeones Cup, between everything that MLS is throwing 
at LAFC, between everything that all these other tournaments and cups are throwing at LAFC, and all the aspirations that we have, LAFC could play 50-plus games on the season, right? And so I think me saying Denny Buanga scoring 20 goals is one, you know, every two games or so. Philly, we're three matches into our season, and he has five. Uh, five. Could I be wrong? Could he get 30 goals on the season? Could he get 30 goals? Now, let, let, let's slow down a little bit. I mean, you don't want to incite any kind of like insanity in the uh, in the imaginations of the millions. Bring it and millions. Bring it. 30 goals. Danny, Bo- come on, people. All he needs is 25 goals in our last 48 games. Am I am I really all that crazy? Am I, I 30 goals? I'm calling it. We're gonna have a 30 and 15 season. A 30 and 15 season from Denny Boanga. I'm calling it right now. Because okay. because spoil, spoiler alert, he's gonna get an assist. He has two assists on the season. Uh, this guy, I mean, come on, Denny Boanga is very 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 good. Uh, that being said. Let's get back into the the minute by minute, blow by blow, if you will. Seventieth uh, minute. All right, you ready for a hot take, Philly? I just gave you one with thirty and fifteen. This is Scarf's hot takes tonight. This is going to be exciting. You ready for this? Sure. Through our first three matches, a three-two win and seven nothing on aggregate in these last two. Who do I think Philly has been our least productive player? Least productive. Least productive player? Least productive player through our first three matches. Daniil Maldonado. No, 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 no. Players that get regular playing time. Daniel. Oh, uh, well, you have to be a little more specific then. Sure. Out of our out of what you would consider our starting eleven. Our least productive player in our normal starting eleven. All right, let me ask you this. The starting eleven that happened in Costa Rica and Portland? Sure, yeah. Okay. Our this least productive is, player. This is great video on YouTube, by the way. No, it's 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 really not. This is a tired, <laughs> beaten down by life Philly contemplating questions and answers. Uh, least can I give product- you? Can I give you one hint? Midfield. He wears number ten. I see. I would disagree with you. That's okay. That's what we're here talking about. I I'm would saying, disagree with you. You're saying Carlos Vela has not been productive. I'm saying he's been our least productive player of our normal best eleven starting eleven. Look, look at the last two matches. Right. Look at the last two matches. Carlos Vela had a brilliant backheel pass again in Costa Rica, where Mahala could have scored. Carlos Vela nearly had a goal before the second, the first half ended. Uh, Carlos Vela came on, got a shot blocked. Carlos Vela, at the very least, has been uh, aggressive going at goal. Granted, he hasn't connected and he hasn't contributed statistically like you'd want him to, but I don't think he's been our least productive as far as our starters. He's certainly created some chances. Uh, I'll say this. You can go through the first three matches of the season. Right. And and look, Carlos Vela does have a goal and assist on the year. Let's be there clear. Carlos Vela has a goal and an assist. They both came in the Portland match, right? They both came in the Portland match. And I personally think Mahala has been an incredible bright spot for us. I think what we saw from Stipe Buke today says a lot going forward with Stipe, and we'll get to him in a minute. 
Obviously, Denny Bawanga has been pretty good. I think our midfield has absolutely shut everybody down. Ilya Sanchez, best player in Costa Rica, in my opinion. Timothy Tillman looking great. Obviously, Sifu doing Sifu things, but I think he's been just okay for, for parts of the season. Kellen Acosta has been fine. Uh, our back line has been incredible. Whoever you put back there, I think Daniil and Aaron Long both played reasonably well today in, in limited minutes and in different things going on. Chiellini is the best player on the uh, on the pitch every time he's out there for us. Hollingshead is great. Palacios is great. McCarthy's done all the things that McCarthy has needed to do. We haven't asked much of him. So I think I, I think what we've got from Carlos Vela over the first three matches it shows more of the evolution of Steve Chirundolo's system from the Bob Bradley system, but I still think he's the least productive player that we have, and I think he's a little less aggressive than we would like him to be. And I think in the 70th minute, that kick saved by Petrovic that Carlos Vela allows, yes, I said allows the keeper to make a perfect cross from Denny Bawanga, and it really should have been his first assist of the match there for Denny. And Carlos. Look, Carlos Vela, at his best, is the best striker in Major League Soccer. But he took a second to transfer that ball over to his left foot, and that gave Petrovic, who's incredibly athletic, a chance to kick save on that ball and, and keep it out of the back of the net. This is something that you would expect Carlos Vela to be able to put away with either foot and to put it wherever he wanted. I think you're being very hard on the man because technically we've had two regular season MLS games and you said it, he's got a goal and an assist. And yes, yeah. while they may have occurred within the first game, Carlos Vale is far more effective as a starter than he is coming off of the bench. Of course. Yet well, I'm not, well, hold on easy. I'm not saying don't start the guy. All I'm saying is how good of a team are we that even when Carlos is maybe our least productive player, definitely our least productive striker in terms of what we've seen in regular minutes. Mahal has been outplayed him, I think, at times. And and Danny Buonga, obviously, is the best striker on the team right now. Isn't it crazy that we are 3-0 and and scoring 10 goals in three matches and we haven't seen the best of Carlos Vela this season? I think it's only a matter of time because him coming into this season, he's in much better shape than he was coming into the previous season. For sure. We remember what he looked like within 2020. He was a mere shadow of himself. So he's motivated. He said it during his press conferences. Like, I actually feel it. Uh, I mean, the shot that he took that just missed during the, 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 the game in Costa Rica, the, man, the man's hungry. This is still a different Carlos Vela than what we're accustomed to. But the focus of the attack has been Denny Buanga. And Denny Buanga has been really uh, clinical in terms of his finishes. I don't want to say, I still don't agree with you in the sense that he's been our least productive player. If you want to say he's been our least efficient forward, I'd still kind of not necessarily agree with you on there. And it's not a matter of being a homer or being biased or anything of that nature. It's just uh, the man scored. The man's had an assist. The man's created opportunities. He is deadly and uh, dangerous anytime he has the ball. But I will say he should have, Probably gotten that ball past Georgie Petrovic. Uh, Denny yeah. Buanga had a brilliant pass to Carlos yeah. Vela. 2019 Carlos Vela would have slammed the crap out of that. But <laughs> right? it's 2023 Carlos Vela, which uh, he's still going to be efficient moving forward. So, 
2023 Denny Bowongo would have slammed the, the, the door on that shot for sure, too. What, what How unselfish, right? You got a player who's on a hat trick, right? He puts us in the back of the net, and we're talking about back-to-back hat tricks, and yet what is he doing? He's looking across the pitch. He made the absolute right play, found Carlos. Uh, you know, we he couldn't get the job done, but Daniil Maldonado, 72nd minute, making his MLS debut. How Congrats. cool is it? that we have a player like Daniel Maldonado making his MLS debut today. Great. Love it. Uh, more on how important he was in a second. I mean, let's talk about Petrovic once again, right? He comes way out for the ball in the 73rd minute Philly. And, and look what I love about cheeky Palacios, man, he saw that wide open net. He hit an absolute rocket, an absolute banger, but you and I were left just speechless at Petrovic once again, making another huge save. Yeah, I mean, he within, I think he had a couple of saves within that sequence. It wasn't just yeah. the ball that came in a cheeky. I think there was an entry pass at some point where he dove in and knocked it out, which essentially is what led to Cheeky Palacios. Right. At the right. conclusion of this game, Georgi Petrovic would end up with eight really massive saves. Uh, we put up, we put up what, four on these chuckleheads. He had eight unbelievable saves, yet we scored four goals. If this was a completely different keeper, then this could be, you know, we could be putting up a touchdown on a very bad New England team. But he kept them in it. And I will say four to nothing is a very low score for what it actually could have been. But Georgi Petrovic is the real deal. Yes, you can argue that, well, he allowed four goals. Okay. But his defense is Dog poop. Absolute <laughs> dog poop. And you would think that with the likes of a Brandon By, a, D- a Dave Romney, players like that, players that are actually pretty solid, yeah. players that have been on successful teams, LAFC made a joke out of New England's back line. They were playing a JV team. Yeah. They absolutely punished, disrespected, and executed Things that you would see on promotional and educational tapes given to kids as to how to effectively beat the crap out of a team that sucks comparative to you. (laughs) Look, you and I have said this time and time again. If you want to get into a track meet with LAFC, if you want to get into a back and forth run all day, I'll take those odds all day. And after the six substitutions, the three for New England and three for LAFC, the game completely opened up. And I mean... All I can think of is checkmate then at that point. That's exactly what Steve Cherundolo wanted you to do. You want to go ahead and put your runners against our runners and your offense against our offense. Steve Cherundolo will take that to the bank every single time. That's exactly what we saw. Really happy uh, with Daniel Maldonado and the way he played. 75th minute, great man marking to force a corner, but... Look, I think last 15 minutes you saw LAFC in a little bit more of a defensive shape uh, when they needed to be. They they were trying hard not to get caught on the counter again. Uh, so you, you saw more players playing back a little bit more and LAFC having to defend in the box a little bit more, more free kicks, more corner kicks by New England last 10, 15 minutes of the match. But with the exception of maybe one corner that the ball found maybe behind a couple of defenders. And, you know, if New England puts it away, we're talking the 88th, 89th minute, they get one back. Really didn't Philly see anything all that threatening. Unfortunately, Philly, let's talk about what happened in the 79th minute with Ryan Hollingshead having to come off. 
And it looked, and I, I'm reading on, I was reading on Twitter, some people that were, that were pitch side seeing and hearing some things that make it sound pretty bad. But Ryan Hollings had undercut by Emmanuel Boateng. And you and I were at the press conference, Philly. Steve Trundle was pretty pissed about this. Not only was he pretty pissed, he said it, it, it didn't look very good. Because uh, I think it was Kevin Baxter, our good friend Baxter, who made the comment uh, or asked the question about whether or not Ryan was okay. Uh, they didn't have an answer to that question. And it's from what we heard, it, it didn't look too good. Um, yeah. He came off obviously out of necessity, and we're only going to be informed about that later on. But Emmanuel Boateng, about the size of, uh, I mean, Hello Kitty, absolutely undercuts the <laughs> heck out of Ryan Hollingshead. And hate to see him go down for a long period of time because the stash is a very important piece to our team. The stash was crucial in the game in Costa Rica, his connection and his chemistry with Danny Buanga is what enabled us to absolutely put the shebang bang on Alahulense. Um, so hopefully it's not anything too disturbing because yeah. the stash is stash is the man. Well, look, I, I want to mention a tweet by our buddy, Kurt Kinsey over at the counter press pod. Uh, good really dude. Good podcast, by the way, uh, great yeah, re- him and Josh run a great show. Yeah, really good on analytics. If you ever want to follow uh, a show that is much better at the analytics side of it than you and I are ever. Yeah, we we don't touch that stuff. Uh, Imagine you play for Bruce Arena and your team is being eviscerated. So you cheap shot Ryan Hollingshead and your opponent subs on Giorgio Chiellini. (laughs) Like, Uh I mean, look. That's a very big that to Bruce Arena. Right. Uh, What what I will say, though, is here here were a couple of reports from people that were pitch side. He may or may not have had blood in his mouth. That's what I heard too, yeah. Or was coughing up blood and may or may not have said something to the effect of, I can feel it in my lungs or I felt it in my lung. And look, we are, this is going to shock all of you out there listening. We are not doctors here at Defenders of the Bank. But if that's true, and you combine that with what Steve Chirundolo said after the match, where he said it's not good. Uh, things were not looking good for Ryan Hollingshead. He was he, he wasn't trying to be cryptic as much as he just didn't have all the information yet. If Ryan Hollingshead is out for an extended period of time, uh, you know we we I asked the question to Daniel Maldonado in the press conference of you know would you feel comfortable filling in at one of the outside backs because you know maybe it's it's Cheeky Palacios and Sergi Palencia now who's going to be starting, but you can't run Cheeky into the ground. I still don't know who our sub would be for Cheeky Palacios on a like-for-like basis. I don't think we have one. Um, Obviously, we got plenty of good center backs between the three that we have with Murillo, Chiellini, and Aaron Long. But on that outside, now, with a Ryan Hollingshead injury, you're looking at Sergi Palencia on one side, you're looking at Cheeky Palacios on the other. If you have a second injury back there to the, I believe, everyone who's watching Trundle's system would agree, the player who we put, or the players who we put, some of the most offensive and defensive stress on the players who have to be the best at being two-way players are those outside backs. So Palencia, Palacios, Hollingshead, those guys, uh, if you have another injury or you need to rest those guys, that's where we're really testing our depth Philly. And that's, that's where I think we really need to worry. But luckily in the scarf minute, the 83rd minute, Giorgio comes on for an injured Ryan Hollingshead. And, and look where Giorgio goes, Good things happen, Philly, and 
your boy, the the German, Timothy Tillman, who was probably the player of the game, Philly. But why don't you take us through that 83rd minute? Timothy Tillman. Absolutely. I love Latif so much. But Latif was a very big part of this goal, mainly due to the fact that Timothy Tillman absolutely stripped him of the ball. I mean, it wasn't even close. Timothy Tillman snatches it away from Latif Blessing going, I don't care how beloved you are. I'm here now. Step aside, son. And absolutely obliterates the hell out of the ball, man. Absolutely obliterates it. For as many great saves as Georgie Petrovich had, there's no way he was stopping Timothy Tillman. The man get the young man gets his first goal, and we're up three nothing. But a lot of that came off of the result of pressure, a high press, yep. and 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 a pickpocket of of Latif Blessing. Timothy Tillman, at twenty four years of age, plays as if he's a grizzly veteran. He played tr- exceptionally well today. I would give him the nod of being my player of the match. Yep. He made things happen, and I could tell you, like for having witnessed him over the past couple of games from the Coachella Valley up until now, I don't worry when he has the ball at his feet. He's calm, he's cool, he's composed, and he's collective, and he's threatening, whether it be you know threading in a brilliant pass or smashing a goal. Timothy Tillman is legit, and congratulations to him on getting his first goal. It was a brilliant shot. Yeah, look, I, I think a lot of people who came into the season kind of not knowing Timothy Tillman thought he was just maybe a depth signing. This is a player who is very, very, very good. His younger brother, Malik, has been on the U.S. men's national team radar for quite a while um, and has played a, a little bit for the U.S. men's national team, uh, currently with Rangers, but he's also on loan from Bayern. There's like a whole thing uh, with him, but it, we we didn't get uh, the the other Tillman we got another great Tillman is yep. what it's it's starting to look like the kid is really really good um you know I I am so excited with the way he has kind of come off for LAFC and what Steve Gerundolo said uh, during the press conference because someone asked about Timothy Tillman who said they don't scout particular players they scout particular needs and then they find players who fit that need. So when they need to bring somebody in, they already have an idea of this is what this player does well. And this is why we want to bring him in. It's such a, such a smart way of going about it by Steve Trundle. So he's not surprised with how well Timothy Tillman is playing because that's what they scouted him for. Right. So that's really what it's all about. Uh, the Olays broke out in the 88th minute, but in the 90th, potentially Philly kind of a big deal for new England. We're not a new England podcast, but seeing Carl's Hill, go down and then being subbed out for Rivera, this young kid who's like in their supplemental roster, who has played just a little bit for them. And Carlos Hill didn't go back to the bench and like get upset and sit down and be like, yeah, it was this, it was that he walked straight back into the locker room. And so I don't know if that was as much a frustration issue or if that was him legitimately being hurt uh, but it definitely did not look great. Um, Bruce said uh, going after the game, Carl's Hill entered the game with a little bit of a muscle strain, which is why he didn't start the match. Uh, and they planned to play him about 30 minutes, but he suffered another muscle injury, Ugh. according to Bruce Arena. So, I mean, this is this is a guy who, when he's at his best, right, we're talking about 
and an all world level player has to come out in the 90th minute in an already three, three, nothing bad drubbing. Right. And, and then all LAFC does Philly in the fifth minute, right before the final whistle is put a little salt in that wound. <laughs> More like fire on the kerosene, man. And, Yet again, it was Jose Cifuentes that was a part uh, of that. I mean, Jose connected with Denny, who connects with Stipe. It was a great pass in the box. Stipe let it rip. Um, Georgi Petrovic caught it. Unfortunately, he caught it behind the goal line, and Stipe got the credit for his first goal in his first start. And that was a marvelous scenario for the young 20-year-old. Steve Terundolo said it in the press conference, and it kind of – it kind of makes you think, right? It puts things into perspective. The kid's 20. He's in a foreign country. He just came back from another foreign country. He's got nobody, no friends. Obviously, there's the team. But here's a guy who's, like, fighting. He's uh, he's not been giving everything on a civil, silver platter. He's got to fight for a position. He's not, in my opinion, the full-time starter up top in games that are huge. It's still Buanga, Vela, and Mahala to me. But for him to score a goal, uh, it's a really good confidence booster for him. And I foresee plenty more coming out of our new and young number seven. I mean, he had a lot of great opportunities in this game. He had a lot of great opportunities in Costa Rica. That kid, just like like Denny Buanga, a threat anytime he has the ball at his feet. He can make things happen. He's, he's quick. He has a pretty darn good shot. And uh, we saw it. He gets his first goal in... Georgi Petrovic did what he could to stop it, but the trajectory of it knocked him back. Boom, ball like behind the goal. Stipe gets it. And now we're at four to nothing. Four to nothing against a team that hadn't conceded a goal over the course of the previous 180 minutes. Yeah. No, look, you're absolutely right. And and look, let's it's let's not get lost on the fact that that was Jose Cifuentes' second assist of the match, which is exactly what we expect Jose Cifuentes to do. He was one of the, he's one of the better offensive uh, midfielders in the entire league. It was also the uh, first assist of the game for Denny Bawanga. He has an assist in both of the first two MLS matches. So that's uh, two assists and two goals on the year for Denny Bawanga in what I believe will be a quest for 30 and 15 Philly, just like that. We are undefeated in our first two MLS matches of the season, undefeated in our first three overall. And, and of course, everybody predicted, right, Philly, that after three match days, we would be looking up at St. Louis City? Huh? Whatever. It's uh, Look, I, I'm very happy and proud of them. We were once an expansion franchise, too, and not very long ago. When push comes to shove, the fact that they're be they're able to do what they've done, and I've witnessed all of their games. They're tenacious. This guy Klaus, Klaus is pretty legit. But as the season starts to mature, they will be reminded that they are a friend. Uh, they are a, a new expansion team. I don't foresee them being a team that is going to continue on with this pace. Not when you get goals gift wrapped to you, like like what happened in their previous game. But we'll see what they're made out of. Either way, it's been a pleasant surprise. And I have no hatred or animosity towards the Lou or the people that come from the Show Me State. It's exciting. Enjoy it. You've been waiting for it for a long time. You have no idea the amount of love for football that city has. At one point, that was the mecca of soccer in the United States because they produced some of the best players. 
St. Louis University still to this day has the most national titles out of any men's soccer program. Granted, a lot of it did occur in the 70s. There's a lot of good things in terms of this game coming out of St. Louis. And I'm sorry, that was off of a tangent. We're an LAFC pod, but you no, got that's thinking, okay. So sorry about it's, that. Look, they're they're leading the supporter shield race with nine points in three matches, which by the way is the exact number of the most points that you can have after three matches. So kudos to them. LAFC obviously only playing in two matches. So of course, that's why we're looking up at them in the standings. Y'all get it, you understand. Both clubs averaging obviously three points per match. So in second place, we are in what fifth place overall in the supporter shield standings because again, we've only played two games and everybody else has played three, uh, three teams in the east on seven points right now. So fifth in supporter shield standings, second in the western conference, and second in goals scored after only playing two matches. By the way, second in goals scored. Our seven goals is second only to St. Louis, who has eight, but you mentioned a couple of those gift wrap for him. Uh, Philly, we're in the middle of a gauntlet, five games in 15 days. This game was the middle. We are over the hump, three down, two to go. We bring in Alajuelense on the 15th. That is Wednesday, just two days and a bunch of hours from when we are recording this already way too long episode. And then we have Seattle at Seattle on the 18th rounding out five matches in 15 days. Whew, lot of subs and rotation to go on in these next two matches, Philly. But an exciting time. We're 3-0 and to start the season, 2-0 and in MLS, 1-0 in the CONCACAF Champions League. And again, we, we don't necessarily have to win on Wednesday, right? The aggregate has us up 3-0, and all three of those obviously are away goals. So if we even score one, if we even score one, then correct me if I'm wrong, that would mean that Alajuelense would have to get to four just to tie the aggregate. And I think that means they they win and move on, right? If they get to four, because on away goals, that's the first tiebreaker. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But either way. Their goose is cooked, Scarf. It it really is. I, I think we're able to breathe a little bit on Wednesday. I agree. I think we may start our best 11 for the first 45 minutes and see what happens after that. that I I mean, I'll I'll take goose. I like goose. Gross. What's wrong with a goose? I don't know. Just sounds like a, sounds like an archaic thing. Their goose is cooked. Have you ever ever had like duck, like Peking duck or turkey? I mean, they're all like duck. I can't do turkey anymore. You can't do turkey anymore. I have gout problems. Pheasant? You had a pheasant? Yeah. Does anybody eat pheasant? I mean, that sounds like I don't know. Um, sounds yeah. like a Henry the Eighth type deal. I I feel like a a turducken. Austin Pfeffer. <laughs> okay. Uh, look, we're off the rails, guys. It's an hour and twenty one minutes. This is already way yeah, too long of a podcast. Uh, Philly's tie tie, and he didn't even go to Costa Rica, and he's this tired. Um, I'm tie tie, and I think we've gone over everything we need to go over for this match, Philly. We are going to go over both. Champions League matches in our podcast coming up in just now three days or so. Uh, One more sleep coming up tomorrow. That's right, because it's been three days since our last one more sleep. Oh, my goodness. One more sleep tomorrow, Philly. It's like Uh, no more sleeps between indoor and outdoor for me. I I don't remember the last time I've slept. (laughs) Well, hang in there, my friend. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, that's my my souvenir right there, my Alajuelense scarf. Uh, and that's a Defenders of the Bank scarf right there. It looks uh, very, very close to what Stawa Bucharest 
looks like. And uh, and if you're watching over over there, uh, over there, Philly's got a bunch of scarves up over there too. That's, that's world indoor. famous Philly Monster Studios. Not all indoor. Well, the bottom are LA. say that's I see my scarf right right over right over there. Uh, anyways, uh, you guys, we have had so much fun bringing you this episode. We are, are we, we're gonna. All right, I'm gonna make a promise to the millions. Oh, and millions. We're we're gonna waste less time next episode. I, I I believe it when I see it. All right, we'll try. But you know, I didn't how even like bring that? out Hello. I didn't even bring out Hello Kitty this time around. No, she but you brought like, up. Quick. But you brought up Hello Kitty. I think Hello Kitty is your Tom Brady. Like you bring Hello Kitty up just to well, see. Well, my if there's reaction. ever a way to end the podcast. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>